if you have your Bibles this morning or your devices or if you're just pulling up the Nova Community Church app, it's in the section of the sermon notes and uh, you can look it up on the website novachurch.org and you'll find the sermon notes there and all of the scriptures are printed in the sermon notes today. If you just want to pull up on your device or your Bibles, we're going to be in James chapter 2. We'll start in verse 10. And we'll also be in Matthew chapter 18. And so both of those places, James chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 18. In 1986, on July 26, I sat in a little room in a church building. I was dressed in a all-white tuxedo with tails. And I sat in this little room, and my girlfriend of five months, my fiancé of seven months, came into that room, and we had not, we didn't know what it was called back then, but we had our first look at each other on our wedding day. We did that because we wanted to take pictures with each other before and so we didn't, we skipped sort of that traditional first time I'd lay my eyes on her on our wedding day would be down the aisle. We skipped that. We had some time together where we talked and, and uh, prayed together before pictures and all the other festivities. But about an hour and a half after that short meeting, my life was going to change forever. After we said our I do's, we went to a big reception at a hotel and uh, we danced and ate good food and, and celebrated with all of our family and friends. And then we had an excellent honeymoon. We went to Hawaii and then we camped in Yosemite for a few nights and then we went to San Diego. And after all of that, real life kind of set back in. You know, on July 25th, 1986, I lived my life Dean's way, but on July 26, probably about 11.35 that morning, my life changed because I started to live my life Dean and Janet's way. And so things like dirty clothes, you know, I would take my dirty clothes off after a workout or a long day at work and I would just throw them on the floor on July 25th. But on July 26th, things changed. Well, it was after three weeks after July 26th, after the honeymoon, really. Dirty dishes? We did something different after July 26th with dirty dishes. Finances? That was altogether different. I'm so glad that God gave me a wife who knew all about finances. Making decisions? for the day or for the week or for the month or for the year or for a future, that all changed. In the new rules of Dean and Janet's way of doing life, and with that, I'm a better husband and a better father, a better son. I'm a better friend. I'm a better pastor. I'm just a better human being because of that. And this new way of life gave me freedom. In fact, friends and family would say to me, Dean's really changed. You know, he's not self-centered, and he's not disorganized, and he's not boundaryless, and he's not kind of crazy. And now he's got direction, and he has 
servant qualities. He's a better listener. He's a better leader. He's more compassionate. He's full of grace and mercy. And everything just sort of changed after that. And as James writes this letter to Christians who were scattered due to persecution, he seems to take a tangent. Because last week we talked about the topic of favoritism. And then next week we're going to talk about faith. And in between that, there are these four verses that we're going to cover today about God's law and judgment and mercy. Let me read them to you. You can follow along. James chapter 2, we're going to be in verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is God's word for us today. Let me make some observations real quick. Just three observations before we get into what James is really getting at here. Now, God's law, the first observation is this. God's law reminds us that we can't pick and choose which laws we like. You either keep all of it or you keep none of it. Now, this is frustrating. If you're guilty of breaking just a little part of God's law, you're a lawbreaker. Now, there are two types of people in this world. Two types. There's imperfect people, and then there's Jesus. Just two types. That's it. So you got to figure out which one are you. The point of the law is to show us that we're lawbreakers, and that lawbreakers can't be in a relationship with a perfect God. The second observation we can make is this. God's law reminds us that we are all guilty and we've been offered mercy. In previous verses, James exhorts us to offer mercy to others by not practicing favoritism. Now here he gives the reason why we shouldn't judge others, that we are all guilty and have been offered mercy. When I was younger, I would look at that Bible, I would open it up, and on one page there would be two columns of really small writing on really thin onion skin type paper. And on the other side, there'd be two columns of little writing on, on really thin paper. And that book was pretty thick. And when I was younger, all I thought was it was just a book of rules. Just a bunch of don'ts. Don't do this and don't do that. But James writes in verse 12 in chapter 2, he says, it's the law that gives freedom, not just a bunch of rules. The third observation we can make here is God's law reminds us that one day we're going to face a judge. In verses 10, uh, in verses 12 and 13, James writes, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now get this. Everyone... Everyone will be judged. Everyone will be judged. Now, you just won't be condemned if you're a Christian, if you trust in Jesus, because he took all the condemnation for you. Last week, we said it. Those of you who, who admitted it, you said, I have sinned. You're imperfect. 
There's either imperfect people or Jesus, two types of people. And we're separated from God by sin. And you can't earn your forgiveness. We talked about this last week. And so God created you and he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. So he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross in your place, to take all of your condemnation on himself, and so that we could be free to have a perfect relationship with a perfect God. And that's the mercy and free forgiveness that's being offered to you right now, right now, that's being offered to you. And Jesus says, offer that same mercy to others, that same mercy that's been given to you, we need to offer it to other people. The scriptures tell us that there's going to be a judgment day for every single person. And for Christians who trust in Jesus, we can actually look forward to that judgment day with confidence on that day. And so let's, let's look at this. How do we look forward to our judgment day? How can you look forward to your judgment day? Remember, James is the younger half-brother of Jesus. And, and James... I can imagine, often heard his big bro talking about this. Jesus often talked about forgiveness and mercy towards others. And every one of us have had a person in our life wrong us and hurt us or bully us. And some was intentional and some of that was unintentional. Regardless, I think we can all admit that that hurt. So let's take a look at this account from James's big brother, Jesus, and he's telling a story of forgiveness in the kingdom of God. In verse 21, in Matthew chapter 18, he begins this way. Peter, one of his disciples, comes to Jesus and asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, in that day, rabbis taught that you should forgive someone at least three times. And so Peter comes up to Jesus and he's saying, at what point, Jesus, at what point do I write someone off in my life as a total idiot? Is it eight times? At at the eighth time, seven times I can forgive them, but is it at the eighth time that I just write this person off? And Jesus answered in verse 22, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, Jesus is not saying anything like 78 times, that's it, you can write them off. And he's saying there's no limit to forgiveness. And now that Jesus has your attention with that, because you think, you mean I have to forgive him for the rest of my life? He tells a story, Jesus does, to illustrate God's great mercy and forgiveness. And so he tells a story in verse 23. He begins this way. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. As he began to settle, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents or 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 10,000 bags of gold. Now, Josephus was a guy who was a historian at that day, on that day, in those days, and he wrote, he documented the history of that time. And Josephus did this. We can look at his writings. And he said, when I total the annual tax revenue of the six provinces or states of Israel, of Palestine, that would be Judea, Samaria, Galilee, Perea, 
and two others. He said, when I totaled the annual tax revenue for all of the states in that area, it totaled 800 bags of gold or 800 talents. And so in our terms today, it's hard to kind of grasp how much 10,000 talents are. In our, in our terms today, we could say something like this. The servant owed 10 times the U.S. national debt. Now, how, who knows what that is? Because the, the clock's ticking on that, right? And it just keeps going up and up and up. I mean, no one knows. So it's ridiculous when you say, and the servant owed 10 times the U.S. national debt, and everyone just went, what? You're kidding me. That's absurd. That's cr-. And they were cracking up. They were falling on the ground, and Jesus is trying to get their attention. Verse 25. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him, and he said, Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Remember that. He said, Be patient with me, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt and let him go. And you stop and you think, what? He let him go? He let him scot-free? With that much debt? Verse 28, the story goes on. But when that servant went free, he found one of his fellow servants that owed him a hundred silver coins. Now, a hundred silver coins in that day was about a hundred days of work. Three months and a week and a half of work. And so he grabbed him in verse 28 and began to choke him and said, Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. The fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Remember, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Word for word, it was the same thing he said to the king. The man owed millions of dollars that was forgiven, but when his servant who owed him a hundred bucks asked for mercy and forgiveness, what happened? Verse 30. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and then went and told their master everything that had happened. When the master called the servant in, he said, You wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he, sh- he should pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Question for you right now. Who is it in your life? This is a question for each and every one of us. Who is it in your life that doesn't deserve to be forgiven? Who is it in your life that you're thinking, I'm not going to forgive him. They don't deserve to be forgiven. Who is that person in your life that you think doesn't deserve to be forgiven? So how do we look forward to our judgment day? Number one, it starts, number one is this, it starts with a look in the mirror. We all need to look deep within ourselves. And James, he, he tells it like it is. James says, look in the mirror. I mean, look in the mirror 
and see. What about yourself? How much have you been forgiven? You need to look in the mirror and ask yourself, what has God forgiven me for? What has God forgiven you for? God gives you grace and he gives you mercy and he gives you forgiveness because one price was paid. One price was paid once and for all by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. It was Jesus who said this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, don't judge or you too will be judged. He said, for the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with a measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. He said, why do you even look at that little speck in someone else's eye when you've got a big log in your eye? He said, look in the mirror and see the log that's in your eye and pull it out before you even start to examine the speck in your brother or sister's eye. Number one, to look forward to Judgment Day, you've got to take a look in the mirror and ask yourself, what have you been forgiven for? Number two, focus on what has been done for us, not for what's been done to us. If you only focus on what's been done to you, it's going to be so hard to get to forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now I know that for some of you, you have experienced horrific and incredible pain in your life by the hands of another person. And I know that you're thinking, Dean, you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know the abuse that I've, I've undergone. You don't know how betrayed I was. You don't know how unfaithful that person was to me. And you're thinking in your heart and your mind, do you really expect me to forgive that person for, and then you have a blank line there, and you could write in whatever you want. All I can tell you is this. If you focus only on what's been done to you, you'll never let that go. If you focus on what's been done for you, then you could choose to forgive. It's going to be really hard to forget, and you may not be able to forget. But if you choose to focus on what's been done for you, the forgiveness that God has for you, then you can choose to forgive as the Lord forgave you. Number one, how do you look forward to your judgment day? You start with a look in the mirror. Number two, it's then you focus on what's been done for you, not what's been done to you. Number three is this. Give mercy, not vengeance. Give mercy, not vengeance. Now, I'm not saying here that there shouldn't be consequences. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be justice. I can forgive someone, but the consequences of their actions might mean that because of criminal law, they should go to jail. But I need to do my part, and my part is to forgive and offer mercy. And I'm going to let God deal with all the other consequences and justice. Romans chapter 12 says, Do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. And you know what? When I, when I read that, 
I don't really like to think that I shouldn't take revenge, but when I read Leave Room for God's Wrath, there's something great that feels that I feel on the inside. That I could leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, Romans 12 says, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. How do I look forward to my judgment day? Number one, I look in the mirror and I ask, what have I been forgiven for? Number two, I focus on what's been done for me, not what's been done to me. Number three, I give mercy, not vengeance. And the last is this. You need to forgive like your life depends on it. You need to forgive like your life depends on it. James chapter 2, verse 13 says, Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It was James's big bro that taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. And in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus drops this bomb. And I don't even think people who have memorized that prayer even think about this that often. In verse 12 in Matthew chapter 6, as Jesus teaches us to pray, Jesus says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Did you ever catch that? He says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then he closes with this, just to make sure that you got verse 12. Jesus says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others for their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. You know what? A lot of us pray, God forgive me for my sins. For God forgive me of all the things that I've done wrong. But how many of you pray, God forgive me just like I forgive others? Because that's how he taught us to pray. That's exactly how he taught us to pray. God has forgiven us a debt that no one can repay. And therefore, we forgive like we've been forgiven. I forgive even when it, I forgive even when it seems impossible to forgive because my heavenly Father, he asked me to. And then you know what? I'm going to let Dad, I'm going to let Dad work out all the consequences. I'll just work on forgiveness because that's enough for me to work on. Here's your one point from James. This is what we call a sermon in a sentence. When I teach people to preach, I say, you start with a sermon. How do you make that sermon into one sentence? And here it is. If you get this sermon in a sentence today, if you get it, you've got the whole sermon. And some of you are thinking, well, Dean, why don't you start with that? Because then we could have checked out for the last 15 minutes, right? Here it is. This is the Sermon in a Sentence. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If you want to get this sermon today, 
if you want to be able to talk about it afterwards over lunch or later over dinner or think about it during the week, mercy triumphs over judgment. If you really want to get it, you need to get that in your head. Say it with me. Mercy. Let's let's for the is my microphone on? Let's uh, let me say say this. Say it with me. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I think you got it. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You got the sermon today. That sermon in a sentence. Let's pray right now.